Hello and welcome to The Pulse. Well, the government's proposals for the 2017 chief executive elections have been defeated, so what next? Some people, particularly among the young, believe it's time to look again at the basic law and what's going to happen after 2047 when, as matters stand, the one country, two systems principle comes to an end. But first, it's been a week of tears and recriminations for Beijing loyalists in LegCo, for whom the term walk of shame has a new meaning. Some were even said to have received a dressing down from the liaison office after the bungled vote that gave the Democrats a hands-down victory in the constitutional reform debate. And this brings us back to the basic law, which clearly states that the central government is not supposed to be directing the work of the legislature. A provision of the law that seems somehow to have faded away. But it's not only pro-establishment lawmakers who've been casualties this week. It was hardly a surprise to learn earlier this week that Ronnie Tong, a founder member of the Civic Party, would be going his own way, leaving the party and working on his think tank, Path of Democracy, which is already talking about contesting elections. What came as more of a surprise was that Mr Tong is also resigning from his seat in the Legislative Council. He says the decision did not come out of the blue. Over the past five years, he felt that the party he helped set up has changed direction. He didn't agree with its support for the five geographical constituency by-elections or so-called civic referendum in 2010. He's also unhappy with the way the party handled negotiations with the central government regarding the 2017 chief executive elections. The hard decision was to leave the Civic Party. It was, it was my, in a sense, it was my brainchild. Uh, I have worked very hard uh, to not only to set it up, but to hope that it could go the distance. But eventually I have to drop out, and uh, I'm not the kind of person who gave up easily or accept defeat. But sometimes, uh, you know, you, you just can't turn back the clock. For other pan-democratic lawmakers, the main concern over Ronnie Tong's resignation is whether they can retain their power of veto in LegCo under the split voting system. The second significance probably has to do with the political atmosphere. Uh, in view of the uh, fiasco in the voting process on the part of the pro-establishment uh, pro camp, it may well want to uh, secure a victory in this by-election to demonstrate that its position has won the support of the majority of Hong Kong people. So uh, uh, in this by-election, the pro-democracy candidate will probably face uh, very fierce uh, competition. The Civic Party says it will discuss which candidate to put forward with the rest of the pan-democratic camp. Ronnie Tong himself suggested Alvin Young, his protégé and running mate in the 2012 LegCo election. 
Also taking something of a credibility hit this week was Legislative Council President Jan Yuk Singh. On Thursday, the Oriental Daily published edited transcripts of a WhatsApp group conversation between pro-government legislators, revealing that Mr. Chang, supposedly impartial as LegCo president, had played an active role in determining their strategy for the constitutional reform debate. I believe I have not done anything at all that would compromise my integrity or neutrality. I joined the WhatsApp group formed by all the pro-establishment members in the council, and I communicated with them continuously, almost continuously, during the meeting last week for one single purpose. I believe that by doing so, it would help me to conduct the meeting more effectively and to ensure that the debate will proceed smoothly and voting will take place at an appropriate time. Well, with us in the studio is the chairman of the Civic Party, Audrey Yu. Audrey Yu, can I ask you, the resignation of Ronnie Tong has been presented in some of the media as a, a, something of a body blow for the pro-democrat camp. Do you see it in that way? Well, um, for I think the last five years, uh, Ronnie has been uh, critical of uh, the Civic Party and the pan-democrats in general. And uh, we always treat this as a, a, an important matter. If anybody uh, is critical of the party, we ought to review and you know think very carefully. Uh, so in a way, uh, his leaving the party is not unexpected, but we did not expect him to resign from his LegCo seat at the but same time. But is it damaging, time. even if it's expected? Well, um, it's always sad uh, to see um, he's a founding member, and uh, it's always sad to see a long-time colleague saying, you know, he is leaving, and um, we uh, respect his decision. And that means, of course, we have to face a by-election as well. And in fact, when you know we backed Ronnie in 2012 to run in Lechko, we expected him to serve his full term. So in a way, we very sorry to our voters uh, uh, that he resigned midway. And also, from the party's point of view, it means that we not only have to do the district council election in November, we also have a by-election coming up, and we also have the LegCo election in 2016. So for a party like ours, it's, you know, financially and in terms of commitment, it's, it's actually uh, uh, quite uh, challenging. Do you think the pro-democrat camp will be able to unite behind a single candidate for the by-election. Democratic Party said very clearly to us they would not be feuding a candidate. Uh, Labour Party, uh, I, I believe, said more or less the same thing. And People's Power uh, told us that, uh, you know, they may or may not, but they feel that uh, uh, they prefer, for example, me or Margaret or Tanya, one of the more, you know, better known candidates to run. And so if it's a younger candidate, it might mean that they might feud a candidate. I mean, we wouldn't know until uh, later. We will be, uh, you know, liaising with all the other pan-democrats. Is the direct role that the liaison office is playing in coordinating 
with the pro-government camp. How do you view that? I mean, it, well, it's not new, but it does it, seem to be more visible. It, it's not new. In fact, for quite a, a long time now, and particularly you see that in elections, uh, the liaison office has been doing some kind of a uh, behind the scenes uh, uh, sort of mediation and control as to who can run, who cannot run, who they were back and who they were not back. Uh, but this time what you do see is that the electrical members themselves are accountable and hold themselves accountable to the liaison office rather than the Hong Kong public who of course elect them and pay them. And I think actually it's it's actually terrible as far as one country, two systems is concerned. It, it really, I mean, you see our own Hong Kong people undermining one country, two systems. What I fear is that Hong Kong people are going to treat this as uh, something of a norm that, oh, well, okay, it's because uh, one country, two systems actually mean that the liaison office, we're now being ruled by Western rather than central. Uh, and, uh, and this is, you know, really, bad news for one country, two systems. And, and the other thing, of course, which has been in the news this week has been these revelations that, that the president of the Legislative Council, Chan Yot singh ha, has been on this WhatsApp group coordinating, con uh, coordinating strategy with other pro-government candidates. In, in some ways, that can't be surprising. He's a member of the DAB. Well, actually, I was, <laughs> I'm, uh, probably I'm naive, but I was quite surprised. I mean, I always expect, expected the pro-establishment to have their WhatsApp group, but I did not expect the president of LegCo to be amongst this WhatsApp group and really uh, uh, passing news and also telling them what to do and what not to do. And it's, it's actually um, uh, very, very damaging to uh, fundamental principles like um, neutrality uh, of the president of LegCo. It, 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 you know, because it's, it's something that it's a matter of principle and tradition and he's destroyed that utterly. But he argues that, that in practice, when he's doing his job as president, he has a record for being impartial. Well, there, there had been occasions when he overstepped uh, neutrality, but then, of course, you know, he, he tries, I think, and he did not intend this WhatsApp group to come out in the open. So, I mean, he now tries to say and argue that it, it doesn't matter, but uh, it does because, you know, anybody, I mean, can you imagine if you go to court and your judge is WhatsApping your opponent in, 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 a, in a court case? I mean, that's uh, totally unacceptable. So you think he should do what now? Well, I think he should delete himself from the WhatsApp group. He should apologize, promise everybody he's never going to do that again, and, and say that it's wrong. He has to at least but admit that it's wrong. But you stop short of calling for his resignation. Well, I think it's the end of the term, and um, if he agrees that it's wrong, then, then you know we have to take his word that he would never do something like that again. Well, Audrey Yu, thank you very much indeed. And we'll be back after the break. Welcome back. In theory, at least, the basic law underpins the ways in which Deng Xiaoping's formulation of one country, two systems is supposed to work. But opinion polls show that Hong Kongers are growing more doubtful that this promise of two systems is still being observed. Many, especially in the younger generation, are questioning both the basic law itself and what is going to happen after 2047.
The plan to change the method of electing the chief executive is now history, due to a blunder by pro-government legislators. The Democrats had always maintained that the proposals were simply not democratic. Attempts to modify the plan were effectively scabbard last August when the National People's Congress Standing Committee ruled that all suggested alternatives would have been in breach of the basic law. The basic law has been the subject of much controversy since 1997. Critics say that if one country, two systems concept isn't working the way it should, and the basic law is being used to repress Hong Kong's aspirations, why not amend it? Scholarism convener Josu Wong and other student leaders are among those who think it's time for reconsideration of the basic law, pointing out that their generation, who will have to live with their consequences, had no say in this drafting. Some have taken more radical action to protect against the law. Shuki 作為特首普選行政長官的條件。一時有加上機構提名。最後更加是以八三一的框架連攞三集。以千幾人的小圈子選舉委員會將一切能夠代表香港人的聲音都排除在外。In a Ming Pao newspaper column, Josh Wong suggested that following the defeat of the government's electoral proposals, the next fight should be for a referendum in 2030 to decide the future, so that after 2047, Hong Kong could retain the one country, two systems way of life. Let us decide the future of Hong Kong by referendum. But what is the option uh, in the vote or in the referendum? In this moment, uh, I can't make a judgment because it's a really complex uh, question and situation. Um, however, I think uh, I hope 10 years later I can find out what is the next or my personal option, my personal option. But in this moment, first fight for the right to have referendum. Many of today's students were not born when the mini constitution was written. But they say they have seen with their own eyes how Beijing has used it to justify repeated intervention in many aspects of Hong Kong affairs. In 1999, the Hong Kong government asked for an MPCSC interpretation to overturn a court of final appeal decision on the right of a board. It was argued that this weakened judicial independence in Hong Kong. In 2004, the MPCSC did not wait to be asked and deliver a binding interpretation of how Hong Kong's political reform development should take place. It ruled out the possibility of universal suffrage in 2007 and 2008 and reduced Hong Kong's promised autonomy in developing its political reforms.
In May this year, there were reports that the Hong Kong and central governments were considering adding a clause to the basic law to allow mainland border control officials to work in Hong Kong to facilitate operation of the express rail link. This gave rise to warnings that allowing mainland law enforcement officers to work in the SAR would constitute a further erosion of autonomy. Last year, the State Council's white paper on One Country, Two Systems stated Hong Kong's high degree of autonomy is not full autonomy, but confined to being a power to run local affairs as authorized by the central government. This was followed by the SAR government making changes to the basic law fact sheet so that Hong Kong people ruling Hong Kong became Hong Kong people administering Hong Kong. Ironically, changes like these, as well as the attempt to deliver greater respect for the basic law through moral and national education, have only helped to increase student activism and public protests. The implementation of universal suffrage and the 831 decision regarding the interpretation of Article 45 of the basic law. I think a lot of Hong Kong people uh, are disappointed with the decision. And, uh, for example, other things like uh, the, um, uh, the implementation of Article 22 of the Basic Law regarding non-interference by uh, Chinese officials into internal Hong Kong affairs, I think that is uh, uh, something that we should be uh, very concerned about. From education and political development to economic policies and infrastructure development, many of Hong Kong's young people feel betrayed. They also feel that Hong Kong officials are not doing enough to safeguard their future and that of succeeding generations. Others warn that no matter how passionately people feel about the weaknesses of the basic law, the chances of getting it changed are not great. We understand that uh, Xi Jinping is basically a conservative politician who uh, places a very high importance on uh, centralization of powers and also on Beijing's um, efficient rule over Hong Kong as well as Tibet and Xinjiang. So uh, in the remaining uh, seven to eight years of Xi Jinping's rule, uh, there is no possibility that Beijing would um, relax control of Hong Kong. So any amendment of the uh, basic law as demanded by the student activists uh, will not be feasible. We used to be 30% of the national G the GDP of China. Now we represent like 3.7% or much significantly much lower. Our significance is much lower. If this act of burning the basic law is interpreted by the mainland officials that we are trying to have independence of Hong Kong, now we are touching on the bottom line. Since the basic law's promulgation in 1990, it has been subject to interpretation and arguments about what it really means, but it has not been amended. Some argue that the principle of one country, two systems isn't what it used to be. Polls show that Hong Kong people's confidence in the principle has been hitting a record low.
On Wednesday, Dennis Cook, the legal sector representative, proposed a motion in Lechko to continue the one country's two systems principle beyond the year 2047. Our first task is to protect the system. If the system we feel has deviated from the original intent, or that the system is beginning to show signs of problems, then our first task is to fix those problems, put one country, two systems back on the right track, and uh, continue to protect it right up to 2046, and also argue for ex extension afterwards. And that's all we have time for this week. We'll leave you with some images of pro-government legislators trailing into the central government's offices in Western on Thursday night for, well, it's not exactly clear for what. We'll see you at the same time next week. Goodbye. What can I say, dear, after I say I'm sorry? What can I do to prove it to you that I'm sorry? I didn't mean to ever be mean to you. If I didn't care, I wouldn't feel like I do.